Okay, we are in Second Samuel, chapter 6, bringing the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. Um, some days, no matter how carefully you plan things <laughs> and orchestrate events, things can go wrong. This is the way it happened to King David whenever he, uh, he... Of course, he had captured the city of Jebus. Remember that? That's kind of where we left off. And then he had the battles with the Philistines and had victory there. And now we've advanced to getting the ark to the capital city there, Jebus, or was really Jerusalem, city of David. And um, after they've captured that, that, that's a key point. That get the ark of the covenant there. And it had been kept in a private home of Abinadab at Kiriath-Jerim. And uh, David wanted it to come to the capital city. It only seemed right to, to get it there. After about 20 years or so, that's where it had been. And now he says it's time to move it. So he consulted the leaders of Israel. He did things that were pretty well right. Um, he got the whole nation involved. Really, they were uh, representing all of them. And uh, they had details of transporting the ark to Jerusalem. And we know that it was thought through very well, for the most part. And you're going from an area, I think it's only about six miles, but up uh, Jerusalem is a little bit in a very hilly area. It's in a kind of a mountainous region, and then where it is at, it also is in a mountainous region, so you've got hills that go up and down like that. And uh, they get a new cart for the ark, so for that trip that they have, and the, the, well, the change I'm, I'm in elevation. Where, where, where does it say in here that David uh, inquired of the Lord? Well, we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that. It's yeah. It's yeah. I've done that myself. You know, planned everything out really good and really good plan. Had a really good plan. And it just didn't work out. Well, didn't even think to ask God about it. Just didn't. <laughs> just, yeah, just, I'm your way. Oh, I got a good idea. This is okay, right? Yeah. After the fabric. Oh, is this okay? But um, it's for the glory of the Lord. It's for worship of the Lord. And David is greatly rejoicing. And so are the people. And so they bring the ark uh, towards <coughs> that way as they are celebrating. And boy, they have all sorts of musical instruments and singers and celebrating this like a big event. And it is. It's a huge event. And it should be. A lot of enthusiastic dancing as well. Then, something went wrong. What was it? Well, let's pray. Father, we uh, go into Your Word tonight seeking wisdom from You, desiring to know who You are and what You're about. And one of the lessons that we learn in this passage is dealing with your holiness. You are a holy God. We also are dealing with your word. Your word is holy. And your word is to be taken legitimately, not just to be pushed off or maybe in this case, forgotten. We always need to be in your word and desiring to know what you have said so that we can do what is right and what glorifies you. So as we look at this tonight, may it uh, bring remembrance to us in a lot of areas where we need to be focusing on in our own lives and drawing upon your word and, and to constantly be thinking about you and your absolute truth that you have. Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit who gives us guidance tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So here we are in verse 1 through 11. And this is called Forgetting God's Word 
and His holiness. Um, verse 1, you have David gathering all the people of Israel, the chosen men of Israel, 30,000 gets them together. And David rose, went with all the people who were with him to Baal Judah. And Baal Judah is uh, slash Kiriath Jerum. Um, that's an area. Baal Judah is means lords of Judah. And uh, that's the idea, but is also known as Kiriath Jerum. You would see that in First Samuel 7. It's located about, oh, seven, ten miles west of Jerusalem, somewhere in that area. I think it uh, was, you know, pretty close. But yet it's still a pretty good walk and over the hills and such, which is the way that they're going to go. Um, so they're deciding to bring that thing up, uh, and it's called the Ark of God here in verse 2, as you, as you see that, which is called by the name, the very name of the Lord of hosts, who is enthroned above the cherubim. Now we know this also as the Ark of the Covenant, but it's also known as the Ark of God, which that we see here in verse 2, which is called by the name. You know, that's that's the very name of, of God, and uh, which means who He is, the very uh, representation of the presence of God is what the ark is. It's called the name. I mean, this is very sacred, very holy, even though it's physical. It's uh, in a sense housing the spiritual aspect, spiritual presence of God, and so it takes on the very name of God very much set apart, very much sacred. So they placed the Ark of God on a new cart that they might bring it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, and uh, Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, were leading the new cart. So they brought with it the Ark of God from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, and Ahio was walking ahead of the Ark. So... Um, they place it on a new cart. That's a good idea to have something new to put it on there. But um, something went wrong here. It's because they didn't go back to Israel's history and examine the law of what it said about how you transport the ark. Yeah, and who's to transport it? He gave them instructions... So there's uh, uh, instructions on how they were to construct it, but also how they were to transport it whenever it would be moved, which it was several times. Um, but in Exodus 25, we can see the words that he used, that he spoke to Moses to you know, get this to the people of what they were to do with this. Very clear instructions. Exodus twenty five thirteen. Well, they should know. According to this, the pole should be in it. Yep. Well, not only that, Obviously. but he sought out the elders. You know, you think the elders would know? Didn't somebody know? You think right? somebody I mean, would? By the loops on the side where the poles like, they should have been a little hint. That like, what do we need poles? Well, the poles are supposed to be in there. Well, they've obviously been. I mean, well, if they're in there, I mean, they they might be in there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anybody opened the ark. I don't think anybody's got. The no, I, if you it, when you read this this thing here, it says that the poles would never be. Taking out of those rings, right? Stay, staying in the rings, right? On the outside right of it, in there. right? What does it say there in uh, in Exodus uh, twenty five? You got that there, Avell thirteen. Oh yeah, it says, "Then make poles of Achia wood and overlay them with gold. Insert the poles into the rings on the side." of the chest to carry it. The poles are to remain in the rings of this ark. They are not to be removed. Um, so, uh, that, and that's exactly what you just said. Yeah. That's where they're at. And uh, so they are there. They have to be there. 
So it's it's it makes you wonder. It's, okay, before we do anything, this it's been like twenty years since we've done anything with this. Um, maybe we better check to see how this thing uh, works. You know, what are we supposed to do here? But I don't see them thinking that way. I can't remember now, but was there a time before this? I know at some point the Philistines had the ark. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's why it wound up right. where it and they did. Had the, remember they got the um, tumors? Yes. Yeah. And uh, it ended up in Benadab's house because nobody wanted it. Well, in uh, go to First Samuel six. We're in Second Samuel six. Go back a whole chapter. This is when the ark was stolen by the Philistines, as was mentioned there. And it's 1 Samuel 6, verse 7. It says, Now therefore, take and prepare a new cart and two milch cows, milk cows, in which there's never been a yoke, and hitch the cows to the cart and take their calves home away from them. So where did the, the idea of the cart come from? Right. From the Philistines, guys. isn't that odd? That was the Philistines that making a new cart for that that originally. Oh, that's right to get rid of it. Yeah, get them out of here, and if those cows, right. you know, take it on, we'll know that right. the true God is, you know, heading them on back yeah, home. And all the troubles will go away. Go to uh, verse uh, nineteen. That's right. Uh, then it got. To the Israelites, right? It came into the field, and Levites took oh, down the ark, and you know, right. with it and everything, they sacrificed, and uh, so there it was at, at that time. Now, verse nineteen. Here's what happened. Whenever somebody didn't pay attention to how holy this ark is, he struck down some of the men of Beth Shemesh. That's Israelites, because they had looked. Into the ark of the Lord. You don't want to open that up, do you? (laughs) He struck down of all the people 50,070 men. All the population of uh, like Jeff City. That many. And the people mourned because the Lord had struck the people with a great slaughter. So they give it to Abinadab. Yeah. I want to have my own Right. You don't have a choice. You've been volunteered. That's it. I'm moving on. I got out of there. I was like, oh, let that guy figure it out. You'll wake up with him in your house and scream. I ain't touching that. So the men of Beth Shemesh, they say, you know, who is able to stand before Yahweh, this holy God? It gave them fear, didn't it? And to whom shall he go up from us? So they sent messengers to the inhabitants of Kiriath-Jerim, which is also known as what we are looking at too, uh, Baal-Judah, which is the same place, saying, The Philistines have brought back the ark of the Lord. Come down and take it up to you. So here's chapter 7, verse 1. And the men of Kiriath-Jerim came and took the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab on the hill and consecrated Eleazar his son to keep the ark of the Lord. From the day that the ark remained at Kiriath-Jerim, the time was long, for it was twenty years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. So there it's been all that time. The Lord blessed that house there. Uh, And so Abinadab was blessed. And that's whenever, uh, you know, a matter of fact, we know that after this first error of David and the people, somebody else takes it, uh, it goes to the house of Obed-Edom. And there it literally says that the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household because that ark was there. So... (coughs) I think we have something here to really uh, to really chew on. Um, 
God gives exactly how the tabernacle is to be taken down, how it's to be carried, uh, and so very clear instructions. And in, I think it's chapter 4 of Numbers, we have a lot of references here to go to tonight. 4.15, I do believe. I'm sorry, where? 4.15. These are instructions uh, for the Kohathites. When Aaron and his sons have finished covering the holy objects, now the holy objects are like the ark and all the, the furniture that is sacred, and all the furnishings of the sanctuary, when the camp is to be set out after the sons of Kohath shall come to carry them, so that they will not touch the holy objects and die. Did you catch that? You touch, you die. These are the things in the tent of meeting which the sons of Kohath are to carry. So, uh, that tells you a lot right there. The sons of, uh, or the Kohathites, uh, it's not to be touched. The holy objects, they'll die if they do. You know, that's the reason God gave them, you know, the the, uh, the poles and whatever. They're not touching it. They'll be able to, to move it. So, uh, sons of Kohath, don't touch. These are the t- things of the tent of meeting that uh, really means a lot so there. Abinadab's son is Eliezer. Is he a priest? Uh, kind of like that. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Numbers chapter 3, get some more information here, 27. We don't turn to Numbers very often, do we? <laughs> of Kohath was the family of the Aramites and the family of the Israelites and the family of the Hebronites and the family of the Uzzulites. These were the families of the Kohathites and the numbering every male from a month old and upwards. So anyway... What do you have there? It's the Kohathites. You read on down there and you see what they are. They have duties that they are given. And the Kohathites are the ones that would be carrying and concerning the, the objects that are considered to be very holy, sacred, as a matter of fact. Um, if you go to chapter... Well, we read 4.15, didn't we? Did we read chapter 7 of... Uh, Numbers, chapter 7, 6 through 9. And you have, Moses took the carts and the oxen and gave them to the Levites. Two carts and four oxen he gave to the sons of Gershon according to their service, and four carts and eight oxen he gave to the sons of Merari according to their service under the direction of Ithamar, the son of Aaron the priest. But he did not give any to the sons of Kohath, because theirs was the service of the holy objects, which they carried on the shoulder. That means the the poles, as they have all around the, the ark, and they keep that balanced. So we're seeing several references about how this is supposed to be carried. Of... God makes it pretty clear. So, First Samuel, I think, did we read uh, chapter 6, verse 7? I believe we did, didn't we? I think we read that earlier. First Samuel 6, 7. We'll, we'll go back to there for a moment. I think we did. Well, this is when the Philistines are getting rid of it. Yeah, that's the Philistines. Okay, yeah. we've, we've got that now. So, David and those involved in transporting the ark erred very seriously in many ways. Number one, they already had lost the awe and reverence of what that ark was really about, even though they really want it there. They, they know that it's holy. But if you know it's holy, maybe we better check in the Word. Make sure to get this right. That word, holy, that kind of gets thrown around a lot. A lot of times, I don't think people really know what that really Sometimes means. Sometimes we really forget. I mean, when you look back at the, some of the scriptures we just read, if it's holy and you touch it, you die. That's holy. That's pretty. That should bring the fear of God to you. Yeah. Oh, oh, guys, hey, wait a minute. 
Do you see this? Dying. They are to carry this on their shoulders. We better get the Kohathites. Well, anyway, number two, they had forgotten the clear instructions of God. They would forgotten about that. I think probably because it's been gone for 20 years and they're just not searching in on this and they'd forgotten. And of course, the last thing that they had heard about was Philistines carried it in there on the carts, the new well, carts. It wasn't like they were following God. And David was a little busy running for his life. And <laughs> stuff was happening in that twenty years. That, you know, lots of stuff. Yeah. So it's it's saying I think even though we know that what we are to do is the right thing, make sure that doing that right thing we have the proper teaching from God, and desiring to do it the way that He does it right or has said. And they'd forgotten the hard lesson that actually Israel had learned in not too distant of the of the past when the ark was returned to the Israelites by the Philistines. And we just read that. Uh, some of them looked into the ark. It wasn't just some. It was 50,000 did. They must have had some kind of a passing, a viewing or something. And that was not to happen. Guys up in front of the line drop and they quit looking in. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if you you see the ark coming back into your territory, you're like, oh, this is the ark. Everybody gathers together, you know, worship. Let's open it and make sure it's still there. (laughs) Make sure the Philistines didn't defile it. Boop. See, they didn't realize, they didn't get it. The holy ark, they didn't get it. Yeah. They would have known that the Philistines wouldn't dare. Or if they had dared, they'd be dead. They were haunted by plagues. I mean, they had the fear of God in them, didn't they? Because it destroyed their idol. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Dagon, fish god. Stomp. So, and, and another thing that we would all tend to do is what's the easiest way? Mm-hmm. Who would want to carry the ark by hand when it could be simply be put up there and let it do its work? It makes a lot of sense. Two men in an ark. Is that what you said? Is that, is that what it was? Oh, there you go. It, yeah, and you know, in our, uh, it, and it could be you know us or anybody else. We could be guilty of saying, okay, you know, we're worshiping, but could can people incorporate things in there that could actually not be right, even though it's the motive could be really, really good. Yeah, actually, very I, easily. I, I keep thinking that God's been pretty gracious in a way to the. Listings because he didn't just leave oh. them all dead. Yeah, he could have blew them out, couldn't he? He could have, and he, but he let them put it on the cart. He let it, let them move it that way, but he wasn't about to let his own people do that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. His own people are supposed to know. But how many people, uh, how many of us, remember when I said a while ago, when's the last time you turned into numbers, right? Right. The whole counsel of God, boy, it is really important. We, uh, for, uh, Easy sake, we just pick and choose maybe a few verses, or maybe we're reading through a book or something, and we forget to read parts out of the Old Testament. Are you setting us up for the next book we're going to do? <laughs> I we're have no idea. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> we're going to have to learn some. Oh, I've never. You know what? I've never done numbers. I don't think. Ooh. We don't think we've done numbers at all. No, I don't think so. But I mean, there are certain books we haven't done yet. I mean, you'd have to really learn a lot of names. But yeah, I know. Did you see what I tried to read while ago? I think that's why some people may not read them out loud. Mm. Oh, I feel like I'm butchering up the Hebrew whenever I do that. 
really bad. Yeah, having trouble sleeping, numbers is the place to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Concentrate on those names. After, Concentration. After, uh, 10, 12 names, you just be like, hey, I'm down to And yet one of the most used, I think, benedictions is found in numbers. Numbers chapter 6, verse 24, right? <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's a that's definitely a key one there, isn't it? There's a lot of them if you really you know search for them. Everywhere we go, if you ever notice, you go, oh, that's where that's at. Like tonight about this, and we go, I know it's in there somewhere. Here we are. So every verse, every chapter is really important. Evidently, that would be the case in uh, dealing with the ark. So, you know, the Israel, uh, the Philistines brought plagues. Upon their cities, but they actually stayed alive, right? Uh, I think the Philistines, even though it was not necessarily worshiping God, I think they feared the true God. No doubt about it, as they wanted to get away from their own cities and then back to Israel. So they sent it away. Uh, so, you know, the lesson of 1 Samuel 6 is already forgotten by the time we get to 2 Samuel 6. And, uh, you know, these, matter of fact, these two books, 1 and 2 Samuel, really are one book. We have them divided up to kind of help us, uh, but originally they, they weren't um, in, in two books, 1 and 2 Samuel. Uh, they, how easily, and this gets back to me or anybody else, it is awfully easy to forget parts of the Word of God that probably we even should remember. And we go, oh yeah, where is that at? If we stay fresh in God's Word, we can still forget about a lot of things. You know, it's, uh, don't feel guilty. I'm not trying to lay that on you. I'm just saying though, it is interesting how we need to be reminded constantly. That's why it's good to have your own personal Bible studies, Bible readings, um, talking it over with others, and then you know why, why do we have Bible study here, groups, and then you know the worship on Sundays. It's to remind. One reason is to pr- remind us of the Word. You can say, "Well, I've I've already read that," but if you know you can't ever use that excuse because every time you go back through it. Another time and another time and another time, you go, I never saw that there. Always. God's oh, Word. Oh, how quickly we forget. Yeah. That's, and that's why Peter said, I write these things to remind you that you wouldn't forget. And so, uh, can't really look at them and say, ah, oh, those, those idiots, why, why didn't they bother <laughs> reading the Word? Because we too could have done something like that. And I'll tell you what, it is amazing how gracious God is to us when sometimes we don't treat His Word reverently in the way that we should. I say we, and I include myself in there, right? Um, You know, it's interesting. Why do we find it easier to relive history rather than learn from it? That's what the Old Testament really is really the best for. It's to teach us so that we wouldn't repeat what some of the mistakes were earlier. But everybody erases history. And you hear about people trying to erase Americans' history now. And granted, there's a lot of bad things in there, but that those bad things can teach you not to do those things. And that's the beauty of the Old Testament and the New Testament, actually. All the mistakes are in there. Old. It's not a pretty book. God doesn't hide it, does He? No. If He is writing a book and He's trying to convince people to believe in Him, yeah. you'd think He would write everything perfect. Yeah, pretty. Doesn't do that. Happy. Man is man. But you know what? There sure are a lot of good things that we can learn from the Old Testament too, aren't there? Whether it be bad or good. The bad ought to correct our way of thinking if it's thinking that way and if it's good, which we see quite frequently, the people of God, right? And what I see good in this text here as we go back to 2 Samuel 
In verse 5, Meanwhile, David and all the house of Israel, look at this, were celebrating before the Lord with all kinds of instruments made of fir wood and with lyres and harps, tambourines, castanets, cymbals. I mean, they've got rhythm going on. Anything wrong with rhythm? No, not at all. <laughs> Definitely when you see this here, you've got the like guitars or lyres, harps, that kind of thing. Got all sorts of things going on. And, and later we might have to look at numbers and see how uh, they had that established. <laughs> the uh, very musical group they were. It's a good thing. I mean, I really think they really want to worship God here. I don't take that from them at all. The motive is not really wrong here. But it's what they forgot. And it cost a man his life because they sh- it shouldn't have been on there in the first place. See, I'm thinking it was lucky. Lucky it was just one guy. One man this time, not 50,000. Oh. Well, we get the near accident. Uh, verse 6, When they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out toward the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen nearly upset it. The anger of the Lord burned against Uzzah, and God struck him down there for his irreverence. And he died there by the ark of God. So, suddenly, something went very, very wrong. One of the oxen, we don't get it exactly what happened. One of the oxen, you know, it's like nearly upset the cart. We're not told exactly, but perhaps the oxen maybe stumbled a little bit. They're going up and down hills here, and uh, maybe they were startled by some kind of happening, some gesture or anything, something that went on. Um, just for a little moment there, though, it got out of control, and the motion transfers to the cart. The oxen are stumbling or something happens. It's definitely going to make the, the cart wobble and maybe even start to turn over its side. If you have men carrying it and they're balancing this thing, they're going to be able to keep it from rocking back and forth or going and sliding. And that's exactly why God had arranged it this way. Because He didn't want it to ever drop, to be jolted. And so it appeared that it was going to fall off the cart. It didn't fall, but it sure looked like it did. Now it's interesting, Uzzah happens to be the son of Abinadab. Remember that in uh, verse 3. Uzzah and Ahil, the sons of Abinadab, were leading the new cart. And I think Ahil is kind of up ahead of this. Uh, forward on it. And uh, Uzzah, or Uzzah, however that is, he did what I think a lot of people would do. Probably almost everybody would do. It happened to be him that sees it. And uh, he's struck dead. Because it said, if you touch it, you die. Well, God's Word is always true. What happened to Adam and Eve? Uh, with the tree in the garden, if you eat of that, you will die. They died spiritually at that moment. They died physically many years later. Uh, it's a sad thing, but this is exactly what God said. He keeps His Word. Oh, I don't think He's just going to let it go by without... The Lord made that animal whatever. I would have reached yeah. out for it if I thought it was going to fall. Oh, yeah. But I mean, the more that's natural yeah. It's protecting the, the holy yeah. sacred. Well, but even yet, if it wasn't a holy thing, I mean, if the oxen stumble and the cart's wobbling, you yeah. reach out to steady it. And it's it's almost like you said, God, I, I, couldn't you give him a little break on this? <laughs> I, was <laughs> like, I was the one that made that ox fall like that to get your attention to the whole situation. Yeah, the whole deal, the, the real problem is, is why was it ever put on the cart? 
Right. That's the real issue, isn't it? Why? And that's what it really has to be put forth here. This is about the holiness of God. And if it's something that He's already said, and you know, we, I, I think we try to reason this out a little bit, and or maybe try to excuse God a little bit. That the issue is, is that He, He killed the man. And he meant to. And he had already told them before that that's what will happen. That's why it's important to stay in the Word and read his instructions. But I mean, like Carolyn's saying, if the oxen hadn't stumbled, if they'd have made it, you know, all the way and they just kept mistreating, then they never would have figured it out. Right. They never would right. have gone back and looked at, oh, well, how are we supposed to move Exactly. What, how holy is this thing? And you know what? And that's interesting about the writer here in Second Samuel. Have you noticed a lot of times he will just say things? Here, this happened here, and God kills him. Mm-hmm. And in this particular, we'll have to go to Chronicles here in a moment. Uh, but when you look at it this way, you're going, "What?" I mean, when the first time you heard of this, didn't you go, "Oh, what?" Yeah. Human oh, nature. Yeah. That's what they were using. Oh, yeah. That was the problem. And this this is one that gets thrown at me when I talk about... What kind of God is God to do that? He was doing it for God. Yeah. He was. He really was. But... But if you go back to when David first was there and they were told to do something and they didn't do it, I mean, you know, God's telling them what to do and if you don't do it, there's a penalty. That's exactly right. And, you know... Uh, God's not very nice. Oh, he's real nice. Well, explain that. <laughs> somebody understand. Well, maybe he wasn't <laughs> doing it, but he didn't know he wasn't doing it right. <laughs> and he was trying to do something nice. I thought he did. Wasn't he a care? He was supposed to help take care of that thing. He should have you know, God should have gave him a little break it. there. and You know, maybe... Maybe did like you did with Miriam, but did a little leprosy on his hand and then made yeah. it go away. It, <laughs> but you're not really meaning this, are no. you? Because no, you understand that, wow, God is really to be feared. Early, and there, he's making a point here with this nation of Israel. You've got a good thing getting ready to really roll here. And they need to know about God's holiness. What happened in the very early church, the very early days of the church? Do you remember a couple that lied to the Holy Spirit? And it didn't seem that bad. Ananias and Sapphira. Well, it really wasn't that bad. They didn't have to lie about it. That was the problem, wasn't it? But they did it for errors. They did it for men. And so, and actually, they were putting a lot of money in on this. You know, every place where God disciplines His people, they throw it in your face, man. Every time, you got to be right on top of that. They could use a lot of incidents. Oh yeah. That God of the Old Testament. I can't believe in a God like that, right? You've heard people say that. Many of them do. Well, the thing is, be careful what you say. Be careful what you do. So, uh, I'm going to go back just a second about the slaves. I, I just noticed, and I know we've already read over this, it said they set the ark of God upon a new cart. It was a new cart, but they must have had the slaves to set it on there. Yeah. So, that's yeah. no excuse either. Right. They must have. The stage. They must have had the stage. Oh, yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Hey, this must so be what this is for, right? Well, just to put it up on the cards. <laughs> you know, really, they probably could have said but that. We did this kind of stuff all the time. Oh yes. Yeah. We. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. You know what it is, and here's where Christ comes in so good because the to look into the ark or to even get into the presence of God, nobody could do it. And, and of course Moses saw the backside of the glory of God, but 
nobody was to get close to God. If you go up to the mount, the mountain where God is given the law, and there was trumpets blasting, lightning, thunder, I mean, everything's trembling and shaking. If you go past a certain line, you're dead. God is saying, you cannot get into My presence. Here's what Christ did. He tore the veil so where people could then look in to the Holy of Holies, which is now in heaven. We have access to God where they didn't have, and there was a reason, we need somebody to help us get into the presence of God. We have have the Holy Spirit living in us. We live in a very beneficial time compared to when they were there. Uh, That doesn't make us any holier than they are, but what it does do is make us even more accountable because we have been revealed so much more than they have. But even like Carolyn was saying, you know, they obviously took this very lightly. They're just moving a a box. It's a God box, and we're going to put it on a new cart, but they took it way too lightly. They have no idea. They weren't yep. thinking about the holiness of God. And we do the same thing with Jesus Christ. Yeah, we do. We, we just, yeah. I mean, we, we're just so flip. Do we really take Him seriously, right? Really seriously. Most do you remember what... time, I don't think we do. I don't... I don't think I do. And that's what we want to work on, right? The holiness of God is probably the biggest aspect that we can pursue after and realize that, you know, it's uh, not taking it to a a law thing, but it's because of His holiness we should desire Him and love Him even more. And so our worship individually should be, you know, much more on that reverence and awe seek of that. His guidance and everything. I mean, I don't always do that. I got a good idea now. Boy, and then. boy isn't that, that what we you know, need to constantly I, focus on? I, and I think that's that's what I'm thinking. You know, I'm not taking this serious enough. If if I think I can just get up and go and do my little thing. And I haven't checked with God, should I get up and go and do my little thing. I'm taking it a little too lightly. I'm not paying attention like they didn't. They were not paying attention. I think that's our lesson today. Even today. Yes. For purpose, there's something more than, like I said, we're not just the average Joe. I mean, we look like everybody else, but we have the Holy Spirit. We're not the average Joe to him. We're his child, and he just expects from us then I guess I need, you know what I mean so there's just that it's a gratitude towards him that we need constantly okay well David um, is in great joy and then his joy is turned to anger I guess one sense you know um, you can look at this in two ways and probably be right both ways I think in a way I uh, guess you could say in one way, God reigned on His parade. <laughs> Didn't God understand what we're doing, right? Why would He strike one dead? Why would God ruin such a wonderful occasion? But also, we read into the, we read the next verse. Yeah. Let's see. David came angry because of the Lord's outburst against Uzziah, Uzzah, and this place is called Perez Uzzah to this day. So David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, How can the ark of the Lord come to me? Do you think he's getting a grasp of God's holiness that he hadn't had before? We've all got lessons to learn. We're not there yet. David wasn't there yet. Or do you think he was just confused about why that occurred? Well, another thing is he angry at the Lord. Another commentator said he's angry at himself because of what he has done. And he didn't take God seriously and holy in this sense of what what has happened. Uh, I don't uh, push one or the other, you know, there could be a semblance of both, maybe. I don't know. I, I, I could see that at first, wouldn't you get 
kind of mad at God. I mean, in one sense. And then you think about who He is. What right do I have to have anger at God? I think, I mean, to me, I, I think the first thing would be since if He was totally ignorant to what's happening there, I think He would be like, kind of like, okay, I've seen the power of God. But it's like, what just happened would be almost like, um, yeah, it's like kind of like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, it's like just literally stop everything. Like concern or shock. Like I said, maybe he didn't realize what happened there. Now he's got to do some thinking. But all of a sudden, he's like, whoa, this is what scary. Something has happened. Then i got to, uh, you know, finally come to your senses. You say, yeah. well, God didn't make a mistake Fear. by doing that. Yeah. What have we done? Yeah. He should have been afraid of the Lord yeah. way back there. Before that. Yeah. yeah, we're touching a holy ark here. Right. Which, there's no doubt, he knows the importance of this ark. That's yeah. why he's moving it in the first place. All by the name. Right. Considering, you know, David's relationship with the Lord. Right. You know, through everything. And then you actually have physical, you know, a physical manifestation of his presence. You know, it's it's different than when you're just praying or when you know he's there but he's not there. Right. You know, that that's a different relationship than if you have an actual arc he's got that's one on there. One. He's got one on one with you guys. Yeah. It's a totally different you know, because he cut he cut Saul's garment, mm-hmm. and then he felt right. He felt something, and but the, on the whole time of his run and on the whole time of his battling, you know, he knew the Lord was there. He did feel the Lord was there, but in that moment, it, it, the, it makes it very clear that he felt something. And in this moment, seeing the ark and the way they they were handling it, and then seeing that oh, this is really. This is really the ark of God. This is this is real. This, this just is, yeah. took out my guy. Oh. This just took out my guy. It had to hit him like a ton of bricks. Yeah, yeah because he's like he was just gonna stop it from like I can he see. He was him. also responsible for starving this whole thing. Yeah, yeah. What's going through his mind? Yeah, he's like we gotta get rid of it. I can't take it. <laughs> and that's exactly what he says. He's praying the Lord that day, and he said, "How can the ark of the Lord come to me?" Yeah, I think he gets it now, doesn't he? For sure. Whatever that idea was, he's angry because of the Lord's outburst against us. Well, why did God have to have the outburst? Uh oh, yeah. I'm the one who did this. Well, and well, I this mean, is, this is like the same thing that happened the before. They they got terrified of the thing and they sent it to a house. <laughs> and now they're terrified of the thing and they're sending it to Obadiah's house. Yep, David says it's not ready to go to Jerusalem yet. I have to wonder if they start turning back to the Word and they see what the deal is. Everybody just kind of went like, there's something off here. Uh Uh-oh, we better don't do that. Let's go back to the book. Let's go back to the instructions. I can't even imagine that Obed-Edom was thrilled to have it at this office. (laughs) Well, it didn't take too long. (laughs) <laughs> David was on way to move the ark of the Lord in the city of David with him, but David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. Thus the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. I'm sure they were probably afraid to, but well, immediately in, I think God I just started blessing that household. Well, I'm seeing this thing coming into my house. It just killed Uzzah, and I'm thinking, oh, no, you don't. No, yeah, no, no. Look, get, get it out. Oh, no, we are not worthy of this thing. Take it out of my house. We are sinners. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if they took it off in the car right away. Yeah. And took it there. All of a sudden, it's like, Picked it up and then carried it off. Maybe they took it the right way. Yeah, But I can see the fear because it's like, you know, David, he's doing... Right up until this point, I feel like he's doing what's right now. You know, before when he was running and lying and hiding and doing what he kind of had to do to survive, you know, he's still a man of God, a man after God's own heart, but, you know, he's still doing things to kind of try to survive. Well, now he's king. Confusion might have been what happened. Yeah, and that's what I'm thinking, because they're like, you know, he's like, I'm doing everything right now. Like, I'm doing right, we're conquering, we're taking what we're supposed to take, we're getting rid of the people we're supposed to get rid of. It's time to bring this ark back. Everybody's celebrating. Everybody's hey, flourishing. Lord, can we bring and then, in his house and tell <laughs> yeah, yeah, And then an accident happens on transportation. 
And and I mean, they like I said before, they count. He, they, the council came together. All of Israel came together. They talked about it, and as a collective whole, they decided to make a new cart. <laughs> they, I, I guess, they obviously, they didn't go back to scripture. They just must have gathered together. The ideas like, started rolling, you know. They were like, all right, guys, what kind of idea? Ooh, I got a good idea. We're gonna make a new cart, and so like, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, we'll get that's what oh, meetings do. Usually, maybe sacrifices, a festival, you know. And so they're bringing it in, and the, it falls. Dude catches it, boom, dead. And then they're like, maybe God's still mad at us. Maybe God is not approving of us doing this right now. So then they drop it off. Just to maybe, see. maybe they did. Maybe. Yeah, because <laughs> like, I mean that's what Whoa. I would like. Obviously, well, obviously God's mad at us. That's why I would be afraid because now we have God. We're moving God from one location yeah, to yeah, another. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and maybe he doesn't want to go. Maybe he's gonna wipe. <laughs> maybe he's gonna wipe out another fifteen thousand of us. Yeah. Like who knows what he's gonna do? He just killed this guy. He took him out. So. They didn't like that's probably why they didn't take it into the city of David because they didn't want to. I don't want to play in our set. I just got this place. I just got this place. I got my house. You know what's interesting? I'll better move on here. This is a Gittite, and you go, "What is this?" A a Gittite, Um, and it's very possible that this Gittite means it could mean something else, but uh, servant of Edom, um, Obed Edom, right? But Gittite. Could refer to a Philistine city of Gath, yeah. but in this context, it can also mean Gath Remon, and that's one of the Levitical cities. And all throughout Chronicles, you'll see that he Obed Edom is referred to as a Levite in Chronicles. So that's why. Yeah, and if you look at that Gath, you say, okay, that's a Philistine city. But it's better here to take that Gath, Rimon. And that's one of the Levite cities. Which would make a lot more sense rather than to take it to a Philistine yeah. city, I mean, right? Yeah. <laughs> you can take it to a Philistine. They wipe them out again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The plagues. Yeah, and that would make but, sense. Yeah. That would make more sense. would know that that would be a problem. Yeah, to take it to a Levite. Why the Levites? Uh, yeah, it's part of that family. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're related right there with them. They all had different duties to do inside that. And of course, you had the one, the line that came from uh, um, uh, Aaron and, and uh, right. And those are the, you know, like the high priest. Okay. We better roll now. We better roll. So David assembles Israelites again, commissions the sons of Kohath to carry it, instructs them carefully. They look at what they're supposed to be really doing this time. A sacrifice is offered. They take six steps. And probably very, very uh, carefully, and very, you know, very yeah. slow. Yeah. And then they stop after the six steps. There, I'm sure these guys are real. These Kohathites are probably really nervous about this. And uh, you know, they're so close to this sacred box here. And so the journey continues. And of course, what they did there, you know, they offer the sacrifice, ox and fatling after the six steps, and then you have the dancing of David uh, and all the people, and he's wearing a, a linen ephod, and we're going through this quickly, but um, there's a great celebration as they make their way to the, the holy city here. And it's a great moment in the history of Israel, actually, it really is. Um, you know, you can look in. First Chronicles 15, 16 through 24, and you can see what a band there is right there. The linen ephod, uh, 1 Samuel 2, is where you have Samuel wore a linen ephod. And in Exodus 28, you'll see that uh, in the instructions there. And it's for the priest. He say, well, he's a king. Why, should, why is he wearing... A priest linen ephod. It's really what it is. It's like a vest with the uh, the arms cut out. You know, or it's like a like a vest, really, that uh, a priest would wear. David is a king. 
hold on to that. You can say, well, then he shouldn't be wearing that because he's not a priest. It's okay for him to wear that because he's, you know, to be a king is much higher than a priest. That is exactly what Mashal's problem is. It's not the thing about nakedness. And that's what a lot of people think that's happening here. And, you know, he's just out there with this ephod and nothing else. He's out there dancing around and he's. Short shorts, or uh, what is that uh, bikini underwear for men? You know, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not that at all. It is not that. It, and we'll, we'll get on with with uh, her and her despising it. But it goes with that one verse. It'll come back to it in verse. Uh, 15, David and all the house of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouting and the sound of the trumpet. Then it happened as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David that Mashal, the daughter of Saul, remember her, she, that's his wife, but it's Saul's daughter looked out of the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord and she despised him in her heart. Why is she looking out from the window? All of Israel is bringing this ark in. One of the most momentous occasions ever in the history of Israel. And she's up there watching this going on. She's not down there with them. So they brought in the ark of the Lord, set it in its place inside the tent which David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings again this this is this is treating a holy God right. David offered burnt offerings, peace offerings before the Lord. When David had finished offering the burnt offering and the peace offering, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. All the people are there. They get blessed. Further, he distributed to all the people, to all the multitude of Israel, both to men and women. This must have been prepared beforehand that he was going to do this. A cake of bread and one of dates and one of raisins to each one. This is great celebration time and it should be. That's what worship is. Worship should be a time of joy and should be happy. You should be elated that you're worshiping with God's people. What David did here in his dancing was great. It was good. The music... It was good. A lot of people say, oh, we shouldn't have any instruments. We were going to sing only. And of course, that's the Church of Christ people. Great, you have voices. I have no problem with that at all. But it does not say that you cannot use instruments. And that's why they call themselves a New Testament church. Because in the New Testament, it never ever says to use instruments. And in the Old Testament, David says all these instruments, Psalm 150 and on and on and on and on. You know, you've read it over and over and over again, all the instruments. So therefore, they're a New Testament. And because of Christ, everything all changed and you don't need the Old Testament instructions. That was old. And so therefore, what David did here was okay then, but not now. I disagree wholeheartedly. God gave us instruments. He gave us voices. We should shout, sing, whatever it is, it, all to the very, the very most holy God, and, didn't you, and enjoy it. Didn't you point out? I say, it keeps going through my mind that Christianity is the only religion that does that. Like that, the Muslims don't allow singing and dancing. Um, Hindus don't allow singing and dancing. They have their chanting and such. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. And minor keys. Right, right. And, <laughs> yeah. Not that minor keys are wrong, but I'm just saying. That. <laughs> I think I know why this lady's mad, though. Yeah, well, let's, get, let's hit it. When David returned to bless his household, there he comes back home now, Mashal, the daughter of Saul, again, did you catch that? Mm-hmm. Came out to meet David. She comes out there, and it's like this. Yeah. Well, exactly. How embarrassing. Exactly. What we have here is that uh, David is getting greeted like he wasn't expecting. He's been enjoying worshiping with God's people, worshiping God, and she says, how the king of Israel distinguished himself today. What is that? 
He uncovered Himself today in the eyes of His servants' maids as one of the foolish ones shamelessly uncovers Himself. When she says that, a lot of people think that He got really weird here and started taking His clothes off. And that's not... It says that He wore a linen ephod and what He's doing is that He's humbling Himself and getting on the level with the people rather than the king's garb. She's the son, daughter of King Saul. And when you're a king, you've got to lift yourself above the people. That's what the issue is. Why don't you look like a king? Why, you know, and he's out there dancing and enjoying this leading worship. You know, He's doing everything right. What's that? He's acting like a civilian. Yeah, right. He's with the people. He got himself there amongst them. Saul put himself above the people, and that's what she thought kings do. What's that? Saul kind of was anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah, right. Head shoulders, yeah. So David said to Michal, It was before the Lord who chose me above your. Father, are you getting it there? This is not about taking off clothes and just dancing. That embarrassed her. And she's saying, You made yourself a fool. You know, you're the king. What are you doing? And above all his house, to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord. People of the Lord over Israel. Therefore, I will celebrate before the Lord. I don't care what you think or the maids think. I care what God thinks. There's another lesson, isn't it? And he lets her have it. He's not a wimpy husband here. You know, he's had to say what what he what was truth. And she was trying to control this. And and he comes back and tells her. He says, I will be more lightly esteemed than this and will be humble in my own eyes. But with the maids of whom you have spoken, with whom I will be distinguished, Mashal, the daughter of Saul, had no child to the day of her death. Um, she saw him in a position of power and he's acting like a fool, dressed in a way that was below his position. A fool. Uh, he embarrassed himself. As far as David's uncovering, um, the author doesn't suggest that David is naked or improperly dressed. He's dancing with all his might. He's wearing a fine linen uh, ephod. He tells us that when his wife, Michelle, saw this, she despised him in her heart is what the idea. Uh, The author of Chronicles tells us more about David's actions. If he was dancing, so were all the rest. It just wasn't David. And the rest included Israel's top leaders. Was David joyful? Was he exuberant? Everyone else was. Was David dressed in a linen ephod? Yeah, that's what Samuel was dressed in. That's what priest would be dressed in. What's wrong with a linen ephod? Nothing. But she was angry behaving like all the rest of the other people, the commoners. He's not acting like a king. Yeah, why is he getting all the hoopla here? Well, all things considered, you know, David did go and get her back from the man that she had been married to for the past 20 years. And the whole story about him following along, weeping the whole way is... You know, that says a lot about their relationship. Yep. Yeah. Well, you know, and there's there's two things that could be it could be that they don't have any relations or they do, but God doesn't give her any children because uh, there's a cursing that God it was considered to be a curse. It wasn't always. You remember, this book started off with a woman that didn't have children. And she wound up getting one. Samuel. Do you remember that? Hannah. And that was considered to be cursed if you didn't have... But there are many godly women who didn't have children and God then blessed them much later in life. But 
as a whole, it, if you didn't have a child, you were considered to be cursed by God. And in this case, I think that's what happens to Michal. She doesn't have any children. The fact that it's written in here like that. Yeah, I, it shows you something. I do too. Yeah. Uh, God raised up David to be a different kind of king than Saul or any other king. He was considered to be a servant king, and we wrap this up. You see, that's a picture of Christ in His humbleness, getting with the commoner and being right with them, worshiping with them. And he's not higher than anybody, and no pastor or no priest or anybody else is higher than anybody else. They have different positions that they serve in, but they're not any better than it. David was a king who served God and served the people most of the time. I mean, that's what he was really about. And, you know, he was not going to be a king like Saul or any other king. And he was very humble. David is a humble man. But there were times when his pride did rise up. And we know that God punishes Israel. Doesn't take David out when he could have taken David out (laughs) and let everybody else be okay. But uh, we have a lesson here from Uzzah, God's holiness. Sinful men cannot draw near to a holy God unless they have been provided the means to do so. We now have access to look right into the Holy of Holies. One day physically with our eyes. But don't you feel free that you have access? You don't have to go through a priest to get to God. Your prayers go in there live. He expelled Adam and Eve because they didn't have anybody else to go to except for the promise to come. Uh, they were taken out of the garden, expelled them. That's the that's the story, and that's why we can say, "How blessed are we?" Because we can do an Uzzah quite frequently and offend God's holiness. And it is about God's holiness. It is about true worship of God and just enjoying God when you worship. And and you guys do. You know, you you don't you're not inhibited. You. You love to sing, and you know a lot of people think, "Uh, uh, uh, don't, don't be laughing in here, don't be smiling, because you're in a holy place and you have to sit still and be quiet, and don't let anything out that you know." God wants that in a humble and holy way, though. Right? Exactly. Exactly. So. Anyway, a lot of things there that are really good in that passage. I cut you guys short there at the end, but I wanted to go ahead and finish it out. Thank you. You guys had a lot to go through with in that, because we're all familiar with this story, aren't we? And then David and the first And then they knew that it was right. Yeah, yeah. Then they did another one. Yeah, that might help.